0: Welcome to the clinical podcast series brought to you by the American Academy of Optometry Foundation. Today, we will be discussing the advocacy on hyperosmolar eye drops on corneal edema resolution. I'd like to thank our host, Dr. Tom Quinn, our topical expert, Dr. Mika Moy, and our topical editor, Dr. Kelsey Steele. And now it's my pleasure to bring you today's episode.
1: Welcome, you of curious minds, to the American Academy of Optometry Foundation's clinical podcast series. In this episode, we will be discussing a paper that explores the efficacy of hyperosmolar eye drops on corneal edema resolution. I'm Dr. Tom Quinn, and our guest expert for this episode is Dr. Mika Moy. Dr. Moy completed a residency in pediatrics and specialty contact lenses and is currently a clinical professor at the Berkeley School of Optometry and teaches... Diagnosis and Treatment of Anterior Segment Ocular Disease. Welcome, Mika.
0: Thanks, Tom. It's good to be here.
1: It's so great to have you here. And this is a topic I'm really interested in because it's something I've attempted to manage for many years, (laughs) you know, with many patients. And uh, I'm curious to see what what you share with us here. This is a uh, paper that was published in the November 2021 issue of the journal Ophthalmology, authored by Daniel Zander, et al. So what hypothesis did the authors want to explore in this paper, Mika?
0: So they wanted to see how effective hyperosmolar eye drops were in reducing morning corneal edema. um, How quickly, would, if we use those drops in our patients, would that morning fog go away faster?
1: Okay. So they were looking at visual impact as well as I believe, also measuring the actual thickness change in the cornea. Am I correct?
0: Right. So what I liked about the study was they used both objective and subjective measures. So uh, they were using uh, 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 Pentacam scans as well as um, visual acuity, as well as asking the patient just sort of how they thought their vision was.
1: Okay. So it seems intuitive that the benefit of doing a study like this would help us manage patients that have corneal edema, so like future dystrophy type patients, right? So, uh, yeah. what they find?
0: So, interestingly, maybe to you, it was interesting to me. They found that hyperosmolar eye drops don't work. I was um, in, I... I know. So <laughs> um, but they also found that subjectively, they made things worse for the patients. Not objectively, but subjectively, patients felt their Vision took a bit longer to clear up, so um, so it wasn't just that they didn't work. Maybe they weren't making things better at all. They were making it yeah. worse.
1: Maybe a little stinging too. What percent uh, was uh, uh, sodium chloride was in these drops? Uh,
0: you know, it was actually a bit more than the five percent that's available. So um, uh, yeah, I, I imagine that sting must have been uh, considerable.
1: And what what about the study design? Did you feel like uh- is these real the results that we can trust?
0: Well, what's interesting is the, the patients that they selected for this study. So all of these patients were advanced Fuchs patients who were about to undergo DMEX surgery. And so you that could give you pause to sort of think about. We know now that these drops don't work in patients with advanced disease. But what about patients with mild disease who aren't about to go in and uh, have a surgical um, solution for their problem. Um, I could imagine a situation where perhaps these patients endothelium is so bad off that the difference between good and bad, you know, their, their best time of the day and their worst time of the day, there might not be that much of a difference for us to be able to, to capture that in, in terms of data that we're collecting. Whereas someone who has maybe milder disease, maybe their ability to clear that Um, and their difference between their best time of day and their worst time of day is more significant, right? So they're able to see those differences easier. So it would be interesting to repeat the study in patients with um, less severe disease, I would say.
1: Great, great point. And I'll just mention it's not discussed in the paper. I've sometimes used uh, IOP lowering agents to help uh, patients that have this kind of problem, especially upon awakening after their eyes have been closed. complaint of uh, visual compromise. And that seems to have helped, again, need a study for that too.
0: Right. You know, the other thing that I don't think there's a study for, and I'm curious to see if you've ever tried this with your patients. I'd always read about hair dryers and that just seemed like a goofy thing to ask a patient to do. And then I had a patient who was really bothered by all the other solutions I had presented her with. And so I kind of flippantly said, well, you could try a hair dryer. And my next visit with her, she was like, Why didn't you tell me that sooner? It works wow. like a charm. And so I just thought, Oh boy. But I'm right. not aware of any study that looks at that particular solution of hair drying your. Oh,
1: interesting. I've heard, like you say, I've heard of that, but I've never tried. Man, obviously, I don't use a hair dryer. <laughs> <laughs> but, but thank you for bringing that up. And uh, thank you for sharing your expertise on this paper. Really appreciate your insights, Mika. And thank you all for listening. Take care. We'll see you next time.
0: And a special thanks to Cooper Vision for their educational grant to make it all happen.